I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that in. That's gonna be our new uh, our new intro forever. Mr. Drew Lock to rap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll get Drew on board for that one. Um, actually, yeah. Let's just let's just do it. Let's do that. Let's get Drew Lock. That's it. It's happening. Yeah. Also, well, actually, this that that was the intro. I am not putting in the other intro music now, Darren. Hello and welcome to the Fourth and Forever podcast. My name is Stuart Bothwell. His name is Darren Butter, and that was the regular season. Yeah, seventeen weeks of football. Yes, <laughs> a lot, lot of it good, a lot of it god awful, and um, the vast majority of it was in some way, shape, or form interesting. Um, you had the likes of Jameis Winston becoming the first quarterback to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in one season. Um, you had, what What else happened? What else was amazing? Lamar Jackson smashing the quarterback rushing records. Um, Michael Thomas breaking the single season receptions mark. Um, you had the Broncos sucking. That was nothing particularly new. You had the Browns sucking. That was something that's definitely not new. But... Um, yeah, we've also had th- things happen like the Patriots not looking quite like they were, but they're back where they usually are in the playoffs, albeit not quite where they would have expected to be uh, before this weekend. But um, that's something that we'll get into soon. But yeah, it's all been it's been interesting so far, eh? But it's just about to get more interesting. This whole season's kind of been kind of a death rattle. For some, for some organizations and some teams, and I don't know. Like as I've said before, with the NFL, I've been watching for maybe five, six years. This is probably the first season where I've really taken a overall view to the whole league and not just watched one or two teams. Is it? Is there normally this many bad teams? Yes, uh, I mean it's it's. I, I kind of feel as I know, if there, I there know is a rule. Mm-hmm. I know the rule that four teams come in and four teams come out of the playoffs every year. It's mm-hmm. been like the rule for about twenty five years straight. But there's so many bad teams. So many bad teams this year. Um teams that don't seem to have a plan. Um I think you've um, you've had some who've just kind of started to fall away recently. Uh the the ones who were um, they were supposed to be essentially set in stone to get playoffs one way, shape, or form. Like you know, like the the uh, the, the Steelers. Everyone still expected them to be able to do okay um, with the lot, like even with the loss of Bell and Brown. But then once they lost Roethlisberger, that was like devastating. But then the defense really stepped up, and that made them still win games. And they kind of hung around, but they were still not a complete team. And then you had like the Chargers, who just completely chargered beyond all usual chargered and, and had a great roster but just couldn't put anything together because of a lack of an offensive line and uh, playing like every game just seemed like it was an away game because there was more away fans than quote-unquote home fans every week uh, like, you know there was just um just just a lot going down in, in a lot of these these offices and i don't know i think there's a lot of teams that are in flux They've got like there's a lot of teams who don't 
who've already got themselves sorted out with their quarterbacks. But there's other places that they still need to figure out right now, which just says that like they, they know where they're wanting to go with the quarterback, but now you've got to build a team around them. I am... Um... I was intrigued as to why the Chargers, if we're going to talk about the Chargers, this is literally the only thing I found interesting. Me as well. They played Derwin, Derwin James and against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Didn't need to play him. It's his first game back, last game of the season. I have a feeling... You, you let him play. They, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I have a feeling, though, that they're kind, they might look to do a Minka Fitzpatrick with Derwin James. Mm. Maybe to get themselves another first-round pick. To That'd be interesting. give themselves another opportunity to draft a quarterback. Because, forgive them, but the Browns would probably be someone that would trade their pick for like Derwin James. Because they, if they lose Garrett, you know, there's teams that will do that for a surefire thing. Mm. Um, but the Browns have their own problems. But I, yeah, I, but I definitely yeah. see where you're coming from in that one, especially yeah. if they're about so to lose teams... uh, Demarius Randall. Yeah. So he's. Only had a one-year deal, only had a two-year deal, and then Garrett's gone. So there's there's teams like that that could trade their first-round pick either this year or next year for someone like Derwin Jones, and that would give the Chargers another another go at getting a quarterback in the first round. Hmm. But the talent has to be there, and I'm sure when we'll do our draft coverage, which is um, not that far away now. Are we um, going to do that again? Oh, no. <laughs> maybe not as in... Not we might not do it with such vigor this time around. Yeah, I think yeah, it's like during the season. <laughs> yeah, I think we know what we need to put our priorities into and stuff. But um, yeah, maybe not so much that. <laughs> but um, yes. but like right now we're getting to the stage of the season where we can kind of do what it is that we want to do at the very beginning, which was to have like a a look back at the week that's just been, but then preview the week that's coming up. Um, but we can do that now because the games last week, there was very few of, that actually meant anything in terms of the playoff picture. And now we're in the playoffs. It's here, man. We can we can do it. Yeah. We can afford to do that. We have the time to do that now. I, I just love the way that the playoffs work in this format, that teams that are finishing eighth or sixth in their, in their conference can rest players. But teams that are first in their conference have to play their full team because <laughs> they lose, they lose home field. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird, you know, because it no longer comes down to record; it's coming down to, you know, head to heads. So. Yeah, and what's around you yes. at that point? Yeah. Yeah. So like you had the Texans and the Vikings that didn't didn't need couldn't change their position. Yeah, they were they were like set in where they were. Which then made it easier for teams like the Titans, who they were playing against. Sorry, the Texans. That what that is. Um, it just came out there and just rolled over them. Um, yeah, like it, it just—it just kind of seemed to me that there's like there's something inherently a little bit weird about it. But I guess that's just kind of a quirk of the game, is what some people would put it down to, and just say, "Hey, it's just kind of fun." You know, it's just how how things play out sometimes in life. You know. The people at the very top have to work that little bit harder and, you know, the other ones can just roll on in through the back door and end up doing something with it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Speaking of rolling on in through the back door, it kind of feels like we're doing that this week with with our severely cut down, um, like, review schedule that we're planning on doing here. Um, So, like, I think we've only got two and maybe a half games to kind of uh, get get back on. But I think I'll just rattle off 
some of the scores from the other games. And if you have anything, like a point you want to make about either, any one of them, then just jump right in, okay? 45 minutes later. Okay, yeah. No, yeah. I'm not, I'm not um, doing that. We're not doing that. I'm like, <laughs> I, I will stop you if it gets anything longer than just a point. Okay, carry on. Okay. I'm going to start with the uh, the Cleveland Browns 23 and the Cincinnati Bengals 33. You want to have an opinion that on that game? one, right? Because that was on the first on the list, Aaron. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, blame NFL.com. Blame the man. Um, Getting out I, of the way. Just rip the bandaid off, man. I think it it's good for them going forward. I'm surprised that... So, big news is that Freddie Kitchen's gone, but then also John Dorsey's gone, so... Yeah, the John Dorsey, John Dorsey thing was probably the most... didn't really miss on any of his draft picks, other than Greedy Williams not knowing how to not hold people. Um... <laughs> But Taki Taki, all his other picks have kind of come through. And he managed to pull off the Odell trade. And I think he's just the victim of a bad hire. And that happens sometimes. From what I understand, um, the, the, the problem there is a disagreement between John Dorsey and ownership on the uh, team structure going forward. And it just was at the point where it was untenable and they both decided to, to mutually part ways. John Dorsey is not going to struggle to find himself another position there because he is, uh, to my mind, one of the best in the NFL at that. So I, I think it's a mistake they've let him go. But, um, you know, all the best to him. And, uh, yep, the Browns let go of Freddie, Freddie Kitchens, so they've got to make another hire soon. Yep, so we're looking at, they're looking at Greg Roman, um, Josh McDaniels, Mike McCarthy, and... Eric Bienemy. Eric Bienemy. Eric Bienemy. Yeah. Okay. This is great. Yeah. Great. Great um, audio. Absolutely. Um, and that that is that's too long on the Browns Bengals to so wrap it up. Yeah. So I would like Eric Bienemy <laughs> to get the job, but I <laughs> Eric also... Eric C an enemy. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes because I kind of feel you have to get a GM before you get a coach. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Anyway, indeed, terrible way to end the season. That means they end with the same record as the Dolphins. Ouch! Yeah. That is painful, yeah. given the way that the season started for the Dolphins. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they've done incredible. We'll, we'll get onto them shortly because I'm going to skip on to the Chicago Bears beating the Minnesota Vikings, who didn't care because they were already set to where they were. Uh, Chicago Bears win on a, a late field goal from Eddie Pinheiro, 21-19. And, um, yeah, that's it. The end of a disappointing campaign. They will look to regroup next season. Uh, Vikings roll on into New Orleans on Sunday. So we assume that Tannehill's being franchise tagged. That means that Chicago are, what, looking at Eli Manning, Trubisky. Potentially Cam maybe. yeah. Or another first-round... No, sorry, not first-round quarterback. Philip Rivers? Yeah, Philip Rivers could be out there. Um, like I don't think I Rivers would take. Rivers. I think in this situation you'd want Rivers. I don't think Rivers is going to be moving. I think he's actually going to either be uh, retiring, uh, maybe playing one more season with the Chargers, or I mean, I've, I've been hearing rumbles potentially even going to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. That would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does. I don't um, think it would suit him at all, but it would be interesting. Any, anything the, the Bears can do to free up what is a very good receiving core from the tyranny of Trubisky what tyranny um, would be great like I, I don't even know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like we'll see them next year yeah but Sean Mannion getting Sean Mannion getting a game yep 
and Mike Boone playing well. Good for them. There you go. Better depth. Vikings lose, but they win. Mm-hmm. So they're good because that's how the last week of the season works. Yep. Moving on, uh, the, yes. the aforementioned uh, Philip Rivers-led Chargers fall to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I won't necessarily mention the Chiefs' like status in the playoffs yet because that's kind of actually now whatever. Chiefs go. <laughs> Chiefs week. get the bye. Chiefs week. get the bye. <laughs> Okay, and we'll get on to the other ones later on. Yep, Chargers just whimper out again. Uh, Chiefs manage to roll on. They get the win that they need to acquire themselves a bye, which is incredibly important in that AFC. Um, like, yeah, it was it was just a, a solid performance from them, especially to, to round things up in the uh, second half. Yep, um, no one wants to be playing the Chiefs. Simple yeah. as, well, especially at home. The Chiefs, you know, if you have someone like Derwin James ruining all your passing, then you just run around them with Damian Williams. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Too, too easy. 21. And um, are you just been looking at play sheets? Because like, it sounds like you're the, you're the Chiefs play caller there. Yeah. Eric, 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 <laughs> Eric, 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 Banana Pancakes. Also helps when you get a couple of interceptions and Marco Hardman runs from... The parking lot into the end zone. <laughs> Wait, Philip Rivers throws throws an interception. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, at least two of them. Yeah. And moving on, and another team that didn't care what was going to be happening in this one was the uh, Buffalo Bills, who were already guaranteed thereby, and uh, they fall to the New York Jets in a snooze fest, thirteen to six. Um, who also had a better record than the Browns I'm going to cry I just oh, can't deal with this anymore yeah, it, it, it's, it's crazy Like the, the Browns were a victim of um, like a really really tough schedule uh, and also just being bad it's just mm-hmm. you know, there's no, no two ways about it we can we can go into them in depth later on but um, in this one yeah, the Bills they didn't need to do anything it didn't matter the Jets just, just kind of Actually, I don't think that this changed the Jets' um, seeding in the uh, in the draft. Uh, I might be wrong there, but I don't think it really mattered. So this game was pointless, really. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they kind of went. The Bills went against Josh Allen's wishes. He wanted to play, mm-hmm. but didn't need to play. You know. Yeah. You're young, and you you'd want to play every game and get your stats. Yeah, he he, he should understand like, it from a. a, a like a business and game perspective is that they want him fit and healthy it is a totally nothing game let's not risk anything I think it's because they were unsure if Matt Barkley was going to be fit so mm. Josh Holland was like I'll just play and it won't be an issue but you know doesn't matter 13-6 to the Jets nah they're good uh, so yeah that's a pointless one um, oh by the way interesting statistic uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't have a single run over 20 yards this entire season I'm Gase's fault yeah, Adam Gase doesn't like him. He's refusing to answer questions on Bell's status with the team next year, uh, just insisting to pass it off to his general manager. Uh, Adam Gase, just, I, I just do not like him as a, a head coach. He's just so abrasive. Uh, anyway, yeah, this is a team that doesn't matter. Which is strange because Joe Douglas seems like such an easygoing GM mm. and someone that probably would get on quite well with the players to have such an abrasive head coach but then as we said don't hire a GM after you hire the coach so moving on mm. yeah don't like him <laughs> um, so 
Another game which um, was almost a bit of a surprise was the um, the Green Bay Packers versus the Detroit Lions. Now, the Packers managed to pull out of the bag in the end and come out on top 23-20 victors. But, I mean, actually, wait, so they're number two seed in the NFC now, right? Yeah, so they had to win this game. So this game did matter. Mm. Yeah, Darren, your, your um, headphones are, have gone weird again. Or so your speaker even. Uh, well, you sound like you're in a paper bag strip. I can't. I can't understand what you're saying. Oh, this just makes for fantastic audio for us. Okay, <laughs> we'll need to do the the call again. I don't know what it is like. It's, it's sometimes it's, it just sounds like it's really muffled and stuff. I haven't touched anything. Hmm. Let's quickly uh, stop the call and start it again, right? Cool. Okay. Do 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 do. I wonder if he's saying stuff to you guys right now as well, because I'm not cutting any of this out. I can't be bothered. Um, oh, here he comes. And hello. Yo. That's better. Okay, cool. Uh, where were we? Uh, yeah, um, Packers Lions. This game actually mattered. Yeah, I, I suppose it did. Um, like at, at the end of the day, we didn't think it would matter, but it, it kind of did. Um, now, like I've I've said for a little while that I'm really nervy about the Packers, and I think that they might be one of the worst number two seeds we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. Um, obviously, everyone has their own faith in Aaron Rodgers. I'm not feeling it nearly as much as I was before. Um, he's not been throwing interceptions very often this season, as he never does. He's thrown something like what is it, twenty five less interceptions this year than Jameis Winston, for example. Um, and, but he's got a half-decent team around him and just nothing's really happening. It's not coming together. And uh, the, the Lions were a bad team and they could still have won this game. Uh, it was, like, had not been for, like, 13 points being scored in the fourth quarter by Green Bay, they would have lost this game and um, it would have been deservingly so because they're just, just not that good. Yeah, I... I don't have the same... Like, they're not the best team in the NFL, and they're probably not the within, in the top four in the NFL, so they have they may have got pretty lucky with being able to get home field. Mm. Um, but, oh, I don't know, I'd, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers in the playoff. Yes, playoffs. yeah. Exactly. I'd rather have Aaron Jones, and, you know, their defence is functional in the fourth quarter, and their kicker makes kicks. I would rather not have to go to Lambeau Field if I was going into the. That's that's the thing that they are a bit of a, a, a like to me they are the real wild card team in this because although they haven't been that impressive, still having to go to Lambeau in January is daunting for anyone. And although Aaron Rodgers isn't what he has been in the past, you you still know that he's capable of doing crazy things, and he does still have a supporting cast. If if they're all firing on all cylinders, uh, they they can beat anyone, but they've just not been convincing over the last little while. So maybe they're maybe they're just saving their best well, for the playoffs. They're not showing their hand. They just you know. This is why this game things. was important because they were either going to be at home in a week's time, mm-hmm. or they were going away to the Eagles. Yeah. So. I, and this is where the Packers are so 
kind of flip-flop, is that the Packers can win at home quite easily, but they also probably could have lost to the Eagles. Like we don't have the same worries about the Saints going to the going to Lincoln Financial Field, mm. but the Packers, you'd be like, oh, this game's actually a lot closer than it might look. Mm. Um, but yeah, they they won the game, so they're at home. So I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau than probably five or six of the teams in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I guess like having well, obviously we know from well how we feel about having a league without Aaron Rodgers in it. It's always a little. Uh, like ever so slightly uh, unpolished um, it's not the same so good to still have a minute for at least one more week um, we'll see what happens uh, sorry, sorry technically for at least two more weeks because they get the bye uh, moving on to another game which was meaningless and the in, the New Orleans Saints beat the uh, Carolina Panthers 42-10 uh, absolute like just <sighs> De- demolition and, and like the Saints didn't need sure, to be doing your, this your playoffology is, is rookie at the moment this game mattered because the Packers were losing at the time yeah but like the, the, okay <laughs> it fine it doesn't matter now yeah yeah like, I'm, <laughs> these, I'm, two, these two games mattered <laughs> yeah okay compared to the rest of the games these two games matter fair enough fair <laughs> enough um yeah no like I'm I'm, I'm tired um and that's my excuse for everything and I, I know it but yeah so yeah fair enough this game did matter but the the Saints jumped out to a very very early lead and it was totally insurmountable and the Panthers were garbage from start to finish so therefore the Saints had already done what they needed to do by the end of the first quarter effectively um they were up uh but 35 to 3 at halftime done like yeah. stick a pin in it. It's it's not necessary to have anything else happen in this game. Um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in at the very end, but you know, that was unnecessary. Um, yeah, uh, I guess one thing from this game, other than the fact that you know it did mean something at the time, apparently, uh, Christian McCaffrey got his one thousand yard. Uh, receiving and 1,000 yard rushing campaign, uh, becoming only the third player in NFL history to do so after uh, Roger Craig and Marshall Falk, both excellent players and um, yeah Mike, it's been a very special season for McCaffrey Yeah, on a terrible team, Yeah, which sometimes is usually, it's usually the way with this kind of these kind of stats um, I I commend the Saints for almost pulling off, well, the ethics around doing it would be um, questionable, kind of like a trade in the last couple of weeks uh-huh. of fantasy football. But they almost pulled off a week set, 16 to 17. They got <laughs> Janoris Jenkins mm-hmm. and they worked out Antonio Brown. He could still come back. That feels like a cheat code. That's like when you you sack players on Madden on purpose so you can sign them the first <laughs> week of the season. Be able to get Janoris Jenkins on waivers and then work out and like obviously Antonio Brown ha- Brown has the the issues, but for free games in in January, it's it's a maybe <laughs> definitely definitely watch the space on that one. Yeah, well, you know, he could do what um, Des did. Des Bryant and come in and tear his Achilles after ten seconds. Yeah, that that wasn't ideal for for poor Desmond. Um, no, no, speaking of yeah, speaking of situations that weren't ideal, um, Will Greer went one of eight for four yards and an interception, and um, before being replaced by Kyle Allen. 
But we'll move on to that one. And um, next season will be uh, brighter for him. We're certain of it, right? Yeah, he'll enjoy working in his finance job. <laughs> oh, dear. With his degree from Virginia and his two million in the bank from playing a season in the NFL. Yeah, good start. Good start. Um, okay, moving on from that one. And the Atlanta Falcons uh, were the beneficiaries of uh, Jameis Winston's uh, record setting final interception and pick six, uh, having got them back into the game and forced him overtime. Jameis Winston threw an, an interception, which was returned for a touchdown on the first play of overtime to cap his 30-touchdown, 30-interception season. The, the 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 greatest volatile quarterback of all time, which also makes him the worst volatile quarterback of all time. Um, yeah, again, game didn't mean anything. Neither team was going to the playoffs, apart from our boy Shaq Barrett ended up leading the league with... Uh, 19 and a half sacks on the year and was named second team all pro uh, our boy Shaq Barrett Darren can, can I just kind of ask for just a, a little round of applause for our boy great job man we'll get you back on the show again sometime although it might cost us substantially more money um, yeah incredible um, showing my only stat I want to point out is that James Winston's Rookie contract started with a pick six and it ended with a pick six. Oh wow, perfecto! That's a that's a great stat right there, actually. Also, I should probably point out that all twenty-two of Tampa Bay's points actually came in the second quarter in this one. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, so he can do it in fifteen-minute intervals. Yeah, that's it. But then he can also throw three picks in uh, the space of four passes. I think it was he did earlier in the season. Um, and also, his pick six in overtime was the seventh of the season, which is the most in NFL history as well. Um, yeah, it's just I feel like incredible. Vegas and New Jersey and whoever now is allowed to to gamble lost a lot of money on um, the thirty the first fifteen minute Jameis Winston bet. Mm-hmm. The over under every game was. I think they kind of thought that he can't do it again, can he? So we'll leave the line where it is. <laughs> they keep just... thinking it's it's going to work at some point, right? No. Yeah, we'll get all this money. Nope, got to pay it out. I think he was 17 minutes past one last week, and he was, what, three minutes past one last week? <laughs> <laughs> he is incredible. He's incredible. And we, lo- we love talking about him, um, but we should really move on because we do have other games to get through. Yeah. Um, so Redskins, Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll just say that like that one. I, I had a friend of mine, and I, we'll do these two in tandem here: the Redskins, Cowboys, and the Eagles versus Giants. So um, my friend and friend of the show, Ben Galicia, he's a big Cowboys fan, and um, at around about half time of those respective games. Things were looking pretty decent for the Cowboys. It's like, oh, yes, this is going to happen. The Giants are going to do us a favor. And no sooner had he opened his mouth slash started uh, like texting into Facebook uh, than the Eagles mounted their comeback and ended up comfortably beating the Giants 34-17, which rendered the Cowboys' 47-16 victory over the Redskins absolutely null and void to end a really disappointing season for the Cowboys. And um, I'm not sure if it's been made official yet, but the news is starting to circulate that Jason Garrett is going to be let go from that team. Why did they need four interviews to 
Tell him. Well, they had to have a meeting to decide whether or not it was going to happen. Then they had to arrange for another meeting to decide whether the original meeting actually meant anything. Then they had to have another meeting about how to move these things around and how to talk about it and how to go forward. Then they had to have another meeting about how things are going to be broken to the media. And, um, yeah, uh, just checked on NFL.com, still no news. Um, but, but apparently... Folks close to the organization are saying that it's done. They just kind of want to be nice about it and turn this to their own, you know, kind of spin it to their, their way of doing things. But it's not really a good look. Uh, apparently, Jerry Jones has a really strange idea for who he wants to go for next. So um, so I guess I'm waiting for my Freddy call. Kitchens. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was making a joke about me being a really absurd hire there, but maybe Kitchens might be even more absurd. Um yeah, I just want to point out in in the Eagles Giants game, the two best players of the will get of the game for me were actually Giants. Um, Daniel Jones's uh, touchdown throw to Golden Tate, beautiful, brilliant, brilliant play. And if if they can protect Jones and he can run for these first downs and hit throws like that, and stop then, throwing, like stop dropping the ball all the time as well. Well, it, you've I, seen you've seen it, enough from him to say that he can make a lot of throws. Even on a team that is devoid of weapons, like he's um, he's got something there. They just need to harness what that is and push out the bad. Yeah, the, the issue that the Giants have is that you have the Browns, the Vikings, and them looking for first round defensive line, mm. or you know, second to first round. So it's going to be difficult for them to get. Especially if, because there's no way that the Giants fans will take, you know, having the third overall pick or whatever it is and taking a offensive lineman. So they're going to have to do some GM moves to get into position to pick up mm. help because they, their offensive line is terrible. And Barkley proved that if you can get at least a fullback block or a tight end, you know, tightening the, the line, he can break for 60 yards. Mm. But... If Jones is 10 yards back getting pulled down and Barkley's not getting across the line because he's got three guys in his face, then they can't do anything. Mm. Um, so they have problems. But the Eagles have more problems, but they're in the playoffs. So Yeah, the, the, the Eagles have managed to stumble their way into the playoffs. Um, and I guess that's primarily down to the fact that the Dallas Cowboys have just been awful in the second half of the season. Like, even more so... Than, than the Eagles. Um, uh, it's just been an absolute... It's just the big games, and it's it's Garrett. Like, that's Garrett. Like, if you can trounce the Rams when it doesn't matter, and you can trounce the Redskins when you know the Eagles are winning, that's a mindset thing. The Eagles are getting hot when it matters. And like I'll, I'll tell you right now, despite the fact that they have not looked good for the majority of the season... Nobody really wants to be facing Philadelphia right now. They're 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 finding their personnel after things haven't really worked out for them. Uh, Greg Ward's looking good. Boston Scott's been good. Miles Sanders has been good. Carson Wentz is um, starting to to find his feet again and find these passes. Like they are a massively depleted roster, but they still have a talented defense and they're making the most of what they have. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be like really difficult for a team like Seattle to deal with. And uh, next next week going, as well, you're going into the playoffs with you know an eleven and five record and having to go and play against Fletcher Cox and Malcolm Jenkins. 
away from home. Yeah. It, it does seem very unfair, but it's the way the systems work, and it's worked for other teams in the past, especially the Patriots. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, if they can get a couple of their players back, Ertz especially, Ertz has got like a, he's got like a gastric problem. With mm-hmm. him. So if they can get him back from illness and they can tighten it up a bit more, they, they have the talent. Dallas Goddard was clutch in this game and last week yeah Goddard is a, a really good tight end they have uh, and the irony a of it is that they, they moved up in the draft to pick him ahead of Dallas <laughs> so, so um, he's from Dallas and he's called Dallas yeah it's funny how people are named like that eh? Um, so yeah we're, we're spending too much time on these things we need to start picking up the pace but it's just as well, well because to be fair a lot, a lot of the games coming forward after this yeah was our half game, so yes. we're not too bad on it. Yes. So we've only really got two games we have to talk about now. Yeah, well, there's there's, a, no, there's still a few crap ones we need to get out of the way, first of all. But we'll, we'll mention uh, the yeah. fact that the Tennessee Titans, um, they did end up actually um, winning against the Texans, surprisingly enough, after the Texans rested the majority of their starters because it did not matter what happened in this game for them. Titans managed to clinch a wild-card berth, which means that they go to New England. Um, yep, just uh, Titans, another team that no one wants to be facing right now. And um, I think we'll kind of save ourselves talking about the Titans till later on. Does that sound good to you? Yes. Yes, cool. I just want to give it up to AJ McCarron, who seems to have just lived the the most blessed life, I think, <laughs> in, you know, in history. Um, not to be crass, but if you Google AJ McCarron, his wife comes up before him. That's, that's, that's one thing. Um, he rode an all-pro defense to two national championships at Alabama. Uh-huh. And he got traded for a second-round pick, and he's on about $4.5 million this year to That's That's to a do lot nothing. to be a bench warmer. Nice. I'll take that. And, and he's an athlete. The boy can run. <laughs> like, this... Well done. You know, I can't say anymore for him. Yeah, he is, very good he's literally, He hasn't even hit a 1,000 yards in the NFL. That's definitely enough on AJ McCarron for now. I didn't anticipate that being something that would take up 30 seconds of our time uh, when we're trying to be blasting through stuff. But you, well done, Darren. You did it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was the only thing that stood out to me on the Texan side was that AJ McCarron still plays and he can run for a first down. Good job. Good job to him. Anyway, are we going? Are we doing the Titans now? Is that what you said? Uh, we no, no come back we'll, we'll come back to them when we the talk game. about the, the the upcoming weeks games, which we'll okay. try and do uh, like once we get to those things. So yeah, um, just to rattle through the last few ones, which are pretty crap. Uh, the Ravens uh, backups managed to beat the Steelers. Uh, that includes uh, Robert Griffin the uh, third, who did nothing. Eighty yards passing and one interception. Yep, absolutely. It was it was pretty garbage, and yep, the Steelers are not a good team. Who knew? No, I think we did. I, I did. I think we all knew that the Steelers <laughs> were not a good team, but um, they still have a lot of good pieces in place. They've got some questions to answer uh, in the off season, especially regarding what's going to happen at quarterback and that offense, because. Um, it has been um, moribund, to say the least, over the last little while. It's been pretty garbage. Uh, and the yes. Ravens, of course, we know where they're going. Um, even if the, like their backups can still put 28 points up on uh, on a decent Steelers defense. So that's not bad. Yes. Okay. Colts lose to the Jaguars, 20-38. Gardner Minshew time? Yeah. 
Good for him. I mean, like that, that's a that's still a really bad situation there in uh, in Jacksonville, um, and the, the Colts still felt that they had something in Jacoby Brissett for the first half of the season when I think he threw was it fourteen touchdowns and three interceptions uh, in the first half before being injured, and since then I think it's been what three touchdowns and, and four picks. It's just not been not been the same. Um, and you you just kind of expect there to be like just just more from him going forward. So they they've got some decisions that they need they need to make. Um, and yeah, Jacksonville, I suppose they still have decisions that they need to make regarding that quarterback situation. But I guess that's something that we should probably not talk about just now because it's um like like doesn't mean anything for this year. Um, so if if that's Brissette, okay with you, okay, on you go. Yeah, Brissett will be the starting quarterback next year because they still hold Luck's rights for two more years. Mm. So if Luck does want to come back, they're not going to draft a first rounder or a second rounder this year in case Luck wants to come back yeah, we'll in a see. year's time. So I can. They've already signed Brissett to next year, so I would be very surprised if Brissett didn't start next season if I were the Colts I'd be hiring someone to get into Andrew Luck's inner circle and just constantly keep them updated on what his thoughts are on returning yeah you know just something really sneaky and disgusting yeah exactly Um, well that's why they paid him as bonus mm -hmm. they paid him as bonus so they could hold his rights to the end of his contract so Oh no! Like they were just he doing that in good faith, Darren. Of course. No. Yeah. Of course. Well, if they <laughs> waived the money, he becomes a free agent. Mm-hmm. So, of yeah. course, they paid him the money. Of course. They anyway, anyway Gardner Minshew will start next season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, or I will cry. Okay. I think they have to move on. They yes. have, next season, they have to start with Minshew and Armstead need to be playing. None of this Foles and Fournette crap. They need to move on. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see, because uh, Leonard Fournette seems to think that he's going to be back next season, but um, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens there. Uh, maybe this uh, this getting rid of Tom Coughlin thing is going to be good for them, but apparently they're going yeah, to be well, keeping Doug Marone. Kinda, yeah, they've come out and said that Doug Marone's the right guy, and with a GM that's player-friendly, it should work. Is that cool? It's not... You think that's it? You think that's really it, though? Because it was the on-field stuff that was the problem. Anyway, we can discuss yeah. that later on. Um, yes, so to, to just to go to my team, the Denver Broncos managed to stave off uh, a furious fourth quarter comeback by the Oakland Raiders um, with the essentially the last play of the game uh, to deny a, a two-point conversion. And uh, they came out 16-15 uh, winners. Um, Drew Locke wasn't exactly fantastic in this one. Uh, Philip Lindsay went over 1,000 yards for the season. Uh, Derek Carr was relatively efficient, sort of. He got yards, um, but they didn't get touchdowns till towards the end when it uh, almost mattered. Um, but uh, yeah, like that's it. I don't really have much else I want to talk about in this one, to be perfectly honest. Derek Carr is useless in the red zone. Can't see a lane to save himself. They have good re- receivers and... Drew Locke for the Broncos looks like a star. In I don't know about everything other yet. than actually playing. <laughs> okay, yeah, he had some some great footage of him on the on the sidelines, just um, like what was about to say bobbing his head, but no, he was really giving it loudly to um, what, what was the track? It's the one from the Madden 
Madden soundtrack that plays at nearly all the stadiums. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, well, it, it was it was wrapping away, like really getting right into it as well, and uh, becoming certainly a social media star uh, for that. I like him. I just want to point out to everyone that was saying all the ex pros in his mentions that were saying, "Oh, you're only beating the Raiders by nine points or whatever it was. You can't be." that happy on the sideline it's like fuck off seriously the guy's in his rookie season let him enjoy this game between division rivals he's probably just either got a field goal or a touchdown you're in the moment you know it's like you can't if you lived your life going oh we can't you know can't enjoy putting up a touchdown against the raiders then what's the point that's a that's a divisional opponent it doesn't matter if the game means nothing for either team. It's the fact that you're there, you are enjoying your life, you are getting a victory for your home team, you're, you're contributing. Celebrate. Have some fun. Get passionate. He's a, he's a good kid. Um, he's shown some flashes this season. Just hope for more I next season. Say, like, the Broncos ended 7-9, the Raiders ended 7-9. It's probably a moral victory for the Broncos as well because they shouldn't have been 1-5 or whatever they were. So the whole, every game they've been in has been close. So at least you didn't have a worse record than the Raiders. Yeah. And you had a better record than the Chargers. So, yeah. So like, and we had, It's we been a bad season, but in your division, it's not been as terrible as it could have been. Yeah, exactly. So we, puts you in a... We somehow managed to finish uh, second in our division on 7-9. and nine. <laughs> Which means that the Raiders pick ahead of you. Unlucky. Yeah, they do. Oh, well, whatever. Um, yeah, so like I said, I didn't want to talk about that one very much, but we did a little bit. Um, the Arizona Cardinals end up losing to the Los Angeles Rams 24-31. Uh, another, oh, sorry, like a disappointing season for the Rams after the Super Bowl appearance last year. And um, I think the Cardinals, like despite the fact that they've lost a fair, fair few this season, and they're definitely showing flashes, but um, uh, in, in, in this game, it was just kind of the, the Rams just played better in patches and really just put it all to bed in the fourth quarter. It was like I don't think it was as close as the scoreline suggests. Really, um, uh, like Jared Goff was pretty good on the day. Uh, Todd Gurley continued to be what Todd Gurley has been this year, and that is not particularly impressive. Um, yeah, it was just not not great from them, and uh, the Cardinals were exactly what you'd expect from them. A little bit patchy on the quarterback side. Kyler Murray had another three hundred yard game, two uh, two touchdowns, two picks, and Kenyon Drake is the, the only pure running back they've got working for them at the moment. Yeah. I don't know if it's the Stan Kroenke way, but the Rams really remind me of Arsenal right now. You know, they've got <laughs> an overpriced team. Well, not right now, but a few years ago. Overpriced team that's won a few games that can't really seem to move because of the personnel they've got. And the best thing they can enjoy is that they have a new stadium. And the thing about the Rams is they always try to run it in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the IT Even crowd teams references. are playing out of contain. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, yeah, again, I don't think we need to like dwell no. too much on those teams at the moment. Um, so shall we go in and talk about finish nine and seven? Yeah, but not good in enough. A good division. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, so yeah, I think um, if we'll get on to some of our, our bigger games from from this week, 
Uh, you happy to start with the Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots? Yes, I am happy to talk about that, Jim. As am I, Darren. I'm exceptionally happy to talk about that. And um, I, you, you've got to wonder why. Um, oh, yeah, it might be because the Miami Dolphins upset the New England Patriots 27-24 in their own building to deny the Patriots a first-round buy and just continue this incredible record that Miami has against the Patriots. Um, they, they, they just have these problems against them. And I, I actually thought that this might happen um, like purely because the Patriots have not been that good this season. The Dolphins have been finding form for whatever finding form in the Miami area is. And um, like Ryan Fitzpatrick was Ryan fantastic today. Um, they, they just did everything that they possibly could. They threw the kitchen sink at the Patriots. Uh Devante Parker was absolute like man possessed in this one too. Uh, like I said, Fitzpatrick was masterful. He's bobbing, weaving, running, throwing, and fully enabling Parker to totally rip up defensive MVP candidate Stephon Gilmore for nearly 150 yards. Like he was, he was just fantastic in this one. Um, on the other side of the the, the coin, Brady looked really shaky. Um, overthrew a, a sure touchdown early in the game, as well as floating a pass directly between two of his targets right into the hand of former Patriot Eric Rowe, took it home for a score. Um, yeah, Patriots were kind of messy in this one, man. Yeah. Um, see, I when I looked at this result and why I'm happy about it, I don't think it's necessarily the same reason you're happy about it. Like, I'm not <laughs> that bothered about the Patriots in terms of, like... I don't heartedly dislike them, but don't worry, Darren. They... I'll, I'll I'll help you get that way. <laughs> but they haven't been good. They've got eight of their twelve wins from the <laughs> easiest schedule ever. The first eight games they played this season, I don't think they played anyone that had a minus three hundred record. I think everyone was one and four, one and five when they played the Patriots. Yeah. Um. And then they got found out, you know, against some of the other teams. Um, and they don't deserve a first-round bye. They didn't deserve it against uh, over the Chiefs, who won games on backup quarterback. Especially with the way that they've played in the second half of the season. They're actually the worst team in that division uh, over the over the end of the season um, because they started to play against either teams that have, uh, like, like they're just better than them, or teams that are just that little bit more determined and uh, like Tom Brady's been one of the worst quarterbacks over that time you just cannot throw outside the numbers um I think it was uh well, there's been a few people who've pointed out but that like the, all the talk initially was oh has he maybe got problems with his elbow right now but other people are starting to say maybe he's got some lower body problems because he's apparently changed his cleats and he's been like doing jogging on the sideline and things which is something which is like I mean I don't analyze them as closely as others do but like it could be something that um is is maybe showing that he's got some issues there the disappointing thing for belichick would be that if he knew his team was going to play this badly he may as well just play to sit him i mean and i mean do you now darren do you want to be the man to bench tom brady going into the playoffs no, I mean for this game. Mm-hmm. 
because you probably feel you could win against the Dolphins anyway, and if you lose, you're playing at home in the wild card. Like, I get why he played, but if there was an injury, I think it's more they're trying to hide any injury concerns where some other teams might have not played Brady in this game. Like, if it wasn't Brady, you know, if it was Mahomes or if it was mm. Jackson, and they were in the same situation, they might have gone, we're in the playoffs anyway, he's a bit injured, we think we can win the game. We're going to sit him or only play him in the first half or something. But they they don't like showing their hand, and I think to their detriment in this game that they've had to put Brady in maybe when he wasn't 100%, and he didn't look great. And I don't know. I... Patriots, we'll get onto it, but the Patriots are at home in the playoffs, and but they've never won the Super Bowl from a wild card position, so mm. maybe it's beginning to to look a lot like Christmas in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we can only hope. Um, but I mean, during the course of this game. Um, especially towards the end. I was watching this in a hotel room in New Plymouth uh, as my girlfriend and I packed up to move on to our next hotel and our world tour of the Taranaki area. <laughs> and um, I kept saying to her that the Patriots are never out until the final whistle uh, and they totally stuck around. And like That was my excuse for not helping with as much of the packing as I should have been. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, with like 8 minutes 30 to go in this one, uh, the Patriots led a touchdown drive to go up 24-20. Um, but they left 3 minutes and 50 on the clock. And that's something which, if you do that to the Patriots, you'd expect, oh, well, that's way too much time. They're going to come down the field and score. Um, but with the Dolphins, you're like, is this gonna is this gonna happen? Just really not sure. But then they led one of the best drives you'll see all season against what is supposed to be one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best, according to some people, uh, to go the length of the field and score and leave just twenty five seconds on the clock uh, to totally deflate Gillette Stadium. And then when when you think, oh, maybe twenty five seconds is still enough for the Patriots. They did nothing. They didn't give themselves a chance. There was balls overthrown. There was just, like, the defences were just right on the wide receivers the entire time. There was nothing that could be done. The Dolphins were just solid in this game. Um, And they need to be commended from a football perspective on giving it their all this season after everyone just thought from the very beginning of the season that this is just a complete tank mission from top to bottom. I think that um, certainly in terms of the trades that they've made, they, they are tanking. But in terms of the the like the, the, the football side of things and trying to win games, uh, they are really, they have really, really been going for it. And um, considering where they were and where they are now, it's really, really impressive. One thing I find great is that Fitzpatrick has given himself pretty much another year because I think it is likely the Dolphins will use their Steelers pick to take Tua, who is injured, and then they'll redshirt Tua. What the hell happened to Josh Rosen? (laughs) Oh, they haven't 
They don't, Fitzpatrick is playing like Lionel Messi. So <laughs> got to love him. him. Like, put him in the Hall of Fame. Put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it was this Hall of Fame moment and he took it. And I guess you can say it's like surprising, but it, it is really surprising on the Patriots side. That was the the first time that Tom Brady's thrown a pick six in two years. So if you think really? that that James Winston throws pick sixes every 18 minutes. <laughs> that, is, that is an incredible statistic. I never realised that. So, you know, this is the thing about the, the playoffs. Like, you you can say that Rodgers, the Packers don't look great or that the Patriots are looking a bit shaky, but if you don't turn the ball over... The issue is that in this one game, James White fumbled and lost it. Brady threw a pick six. That's you know they've pretty much given up fourteen points there, and they're just not good enough to overcome that. Um, you know, with their offense just now, um, no. they gave up two possessions and fourteen points in the on their offense. Um, yeah, and the Dolphins took advantage. And one thing I'll say for the Dolphins is it's they seem to have played this season really well. You know, you're coming out. Mm of this season with Flores really getting a handle on the way he wants to play, which is, they're going to be the most attractive team to watch in a couple of years. Um, they've yeah, got Brian Albert Flores, Wilson, amazing job already. You know, Albert Wilson, the last three or four games running, this is the, the most interesting, one of the most interesting things is that Albert Wilson's their best rusher. And Nikhil Harry is the Patriots' most efficient rusher as well. <laughs> well, he's well, running for eleven yards on average off of like twenty <laughs> carries. Going on that stuff now, I'm guessing you probably looked up these statistics. But um, who was the Dolphins' leading rusher this season, and by how much? Sorry, with how much? Uh, Fitzpatrick by about ninety yards. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick ran for two hundred and forty-three yards on fifty-three carries to lead the team, and by contrast, Kalen Balage. Ran for 74 attempts, but ran for 135 yards. There's 1.8 yards per carry, which is pitiful. So pitiful. It's really bad. Well, that's two really, really pitiful tallies. But yeah, Fitzpatrick, leading passer and leading rusher. I mean, like, who else did that this season? I'm pretty sure only Lamar Jackson. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think with Dolphins, you know, Brian Flores figuring out his team, Albert Wilson's looking good. Mike Gazicki's starting to play like the player he was at Michigan. Yeah, props and to him. Props to him. He had some really Devontae good Parker got his new contract. He did. And yeah. they've been able to rest Javian Howard. So they have players. Now it's just this is what GMs get paid for. You've got three first round picks. You've got a Hall of Fame quarterback. Go and make <laughs> some magic. Go and get some players so you can take advantage. Because this is the thing with the Dolphins. They get into the playoffs with Tannehill because they were beating the Patriots. They were the only team beating the Patriots in their division. Therefore, it was securing them you know, wild card spots. And they've beaten the Patriots again. So Incredible. they need to win the other games. Win the other games and you'll be in the playoffs because you seem to be all right against the Patriots. So we'll see. We'll see what they do next year, but... I guess we'll speak a bit more when it comes to the Titans-Patriots game, but um, I love it. I love when the Patriots aren't an efficient, scary monster like they were in the Super Bowl. Me too, Darren. Um, Me too. But to be fair, when they were coming into that Super Bowl, people were worried about them as well. So mm. We'll see. True. Okay, so moving on to our next big game of this uh, this week and the 
San Francisco 49ers clung on for dear life against the Seattle Seahawks after being comfortably in front at halftime, uh, 13 to nothing. And then the Seahawks just formed this onslaught and it, it just looked like it might happen again for Seattle as it has on so many occasions. And um, it just turned out that the, the Marshawn Lynch return just wasn't quite there. It wasn't quite enough. Um, when I say that, Marshawn Lynch didn't look a patch on what he used to look like, but he, he still had a couple of important carries. And um, I think the, the most important potential carry is the one that he didn't make right at the very end of the game, which I suppose we'll get to after we talk about the, the bones of this. Um, yeah, um, Seahawks had a chance to win this one at the end um, after being behind for so long. Uh, it just didn't happen. And once again, the 49ers managed to find a way to win a close game. Yeah. Yeah, the 49ers have been in the most entertaining games this season, but they are so in, probably in the most entertaining division. So, mm. But they've really they've really had to work for it. Um, their, their defense hasn't been quite where it was at the start of the season, and it's put them Definitely back not. a bit. But they've overcome the adversity, and you know they finished thirteen and three. And I think I remember going back to if we go back to when we first started, and we were like, "Oh, which team do we want to kind of do?" A, this is before we realised that talking about fourteen games a week, yeah. Ages, <laughs> yeah, that we were going to feature a team that we were going to support, and it was the Forty ers that we never ended up really doing, but. Well, by, but believe we us, were... listeners, we definitely did decide that before. We didn't just make it up now just for the sake of it, no. honestly. But we, I think my issue was I wanted the 49ers because I wanted Garoppolo to do well, but I thought that they were going to get hammered in their division. And I didn't expect this 49ers team to go 13-3. and three. So they've just been really good. This speaks volumes for Kyle Shanahan and the way that he's made that team click and that offense. And I mean... Like a couple of players who've really jumped out to me, other than like your oh your Jimmy Garoppolo is the one who gets talked about, and your George Kittles, Raheem Mostert has really come up big when it's been important, and and Debo Samuel is really showing that he is a difference maker in that team, be it in the running game or in the receiving game. He's a he's a big time weapon. Yeah, um, I I really feel that the Forty ers most important player is. Kyle Yushik, like everything runs off the back of his blocks. Um, he's a reset. He's a catching threat, mm-hmm. and the whole Shanahan kind of system kind of needs that fullback to make space for the runners and to block for Garoppolo. They're kind of coming out into back sets most of the game, mm-hmm. and it it really mixes it up. And when you look at what's happened to like the Patriots after losing like James Devlin, I think we're really seeing a comeback in these fullbacks. And Kyle Vyshek's been the best fullback in the league for about six years. And he makes a huge difference to this team. Yeah. Um, his blocking, his running, his catching, he's just been able to, to really free up Garoppolo to make some easy throws. Yeah, a throwback to the uh, the Tom Rathman days in San Francisco. There, uh, big, big, big time uh, fullback for them at that point. He's like, yeah, he, he it's he is one of these guys. He just opens up these holes, 
And um, like you say, he's a, he's a key aspect for them. When he was missing very briefly this year, they weren't quite the same team. Yeah, well, to, to be fair, that was that running back room kind of accidentally. You know, they've got Matt Breda, Mostert, and Tevin Coleman, and Yushek. Like, that's mm-hmm. strong. And also Jeff Wilson for like two games this season. <laughs> yeah, and then he got in trouble. Yeah. Um, uh, was it trouble? Whatever. It was it trouble? Uh, no, I think I think I got injured. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, a, a really talented running back room. The wide receivers, like I think having Emmanuel Sanders in there really helps spread that defense a fair bit, fair bit, allowing players like like Debo Samuel and George Kittle even more space to to do what they do, and for Jimmy G to find the guys there. Um, yeah, like I say, they were very very impressive. But um, they still allowed the Seattle Seahawks to get back in on this one. And, sorry, well, not them, of course. So I mean, more like the, the, the defensive side of things in the second half. Russell Wilson just led a, a full-blown charge. Marshawn Lynch wasn't what people had hoped he would be um, upon his return. But um, DK Metcalf came up with some big catches in this one, uh, as did Tyler Lockett. Both of them got like very incredible touchdowns to... Uh, to get the team back into it, but um, the the final drive of the Seahawks was the biggest thing. So they managed to get themselves back in twenty six twenty one, driving down the field. They, I think, was it like maybe seventeen seconds left in the game or something like that. Um, get up to the the one yard line. On a, on a on a throw out from Russell Wilson to the right hand side, I can't remember was it was it Travis Homer? No, it was um, uh, Jacob Hollister got stopped at the one yard line, and yep. then with all the panic ensuing and the like the the, the everyone, all the fans are like, oh my god, it's happening! They're going to rush Marshawn Lynch. It's going to happen. He's going to get his touchdown, which is going to get us that twelfth win. Everything's going to be great. We're going to mess up things for the for a flag. Oh damn, we forgot to. Snap the ball. Uh, <laughs> Forgot to that's a, it. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Because like they, 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 I think on that play they had a man down uh, injured. He didn't get up to the line quick enough, and a flag happened. And it's just absolutely killer. Moves you back from a, a, a fourth and one with a few seconds left on the clock to a fourth and six, and um, it was just uh, devastating. They just couldn't convert. Uh, everyone expected Marshall Lynch to get his opportunity, but then it was put on the shoulders of Russell Wilson to, to do something with it, and he just couldn't pull out of the bag this time. Yeah. Um, they almost got in, though. Very, very Great almost. tackle from the backup um, linebacker. Just did such a good job of um, keeping Hollister out um, right at the end. It's like inches in it, you know. Oof. Um, if he'd been able to turn his hips any other way, he would have crossed the line with the ball. It's just, that's, you know, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Seahawks, like, it's no issue on 49ers for almost losing to the Seahawks in this way. Like, mm-hmm. The Seahawks are a good team. Um, they've got... Metcalf and Lockett to throw the ball to. Got Hollister coming up big. And they've got... Well, they used to have rushing. Um, but they've got probably... I think they've got the PFF MVP, I think. Mm-hmm. 
anyway. So I think I don't know what the N the NFL MVP is probably going to be Jackson, but the I don't think there's a problem the PFF, about it. <laughs> yeah, the PFF, um, which is all on the stats and analytics, is probably going most likely going to Russell Wilson. Um, but I just want to point out that Jimmy Garoppolo is the only is the third player in 49ers history to win 13 games and have a 100-plus passer rating. Do you know who the other two are? Joe Montana and Steve Young? Yes. So there you go. That's, that's pretty that good bad. company to keep. been that bad. I'm so probably, like, that, I think that's... One, one thing is now... Sorry, sorry what, Dan. Trend? I just need to stop you very briefly because like, I do think that we... like, Although that is great company to be in, we need to account for the fact that it's a very different era these days and there's certain yeah. things that will be skewed one way or another. I don't want to sort of discount it or you know devalue what Jimmy G's done because it has been incredible. Um, but yeah, there's there, there's certain things regarding era there which I, I think are... Um, just need to acknowledge it. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Sorry, you know, please continue. Um, so that's Garoppolo, what, 20... 20 and 4. 20 and 4. <laughs> Not bad. I, I'd take that. Um, when he's meant to be terrible. Yeah, so... Um, I think it'd be 20 and 5 if you count the game he didn't finish mm. um, last season. Um, which they were winning when he got injured, so... Yeah. Take that as you will. Nah, I don't think I'd give that to him. No, so... They're both teams going to the playoffs. Seahawks have kind of a rough go of it mm. away to the Eagles mm-hmm. for all they've done this year yeah um, see what Marshawn Lynch can do at Lincoln Financial but very very little I imagine but we'll, we'll see I, I'd just like to clarify real quickly that um, the, the, the way that things transpired towards the end was that uh, the the uh, Seattle Seahawks actually had a fourth and ten on the San Francisco 12 then they got the ball to the one where Russell Wilson spiked it, and then it was the delay of game penalty to take it from being a second and goal on the one to second and goal on the six. Uh, and then it was incomplete pass to Hollister, and then uh, one completed and stopped on the one to Hollister uh, by is it Dev- Devin Greenlaw. Is that his, that his name? Um, yeah. Yeah, and it was just, just inches short. Uh, and then it was a quarterback sneak by Jimmy Garoppolo to finish the game. And, um, yeah, that was a really good job. And yeah, yeah, because that could have gone so wrong. Um, I mean, like, it, had had it done so, it wouldn't have really left anything to happen. Like, it's highly unlikely that they would have been able to get a safety, get the ball back, and then score again. But still, a good job in making sure of it at the very end. Yeah, but a safety would have taken it to within um, three points, which meant that loads of gamblers would have lost all their money. Yeah, yeah, so valid Gar- point. Garoppolo saving a lot of because he saved the line by um by not giving up a safety there. So, mm. so a lot of gamblers were happy with Jimmy G for his uh for his quarterback sneak on in the end zone. I'm sure they were, uh, not me because yeah, I would just lose money. Um, so yeah, that that was the week 17 matches and. I think um, we uh, now we're, we're now we're in six deep into this. Shall we just have a quick uh, look at the games up and coming this week? Um, on in the next week we'll have the, a bigger recap of each of the four games, followed by uh, what we think is going to happen in the divisional rounds. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. 
Okay, cool, cool. So uh, we'll have a, a little look at what we think is going to happen in these up and coming ones, what we think is going to be the keys, and I'm going to ask you what you think is the likely outcome of each one. Sound good? Okay. Nice. Okay, so first up we have the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans. So um, the, 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 the Bills and the Texans, we don't really feel particularly confident about either one of these teams doing well through the course of the playoffs but I think Buffalo have maybe been the more consistent in terms of they have a stronger defense and they, they have been what they have been throughout the course of the season which is a, a flawed team but they can stop you and the Texans are going to be with a, a, a half man JJ Watt and we're not sure if Will Fuller is going to be out there and I think those are two big big keys to that team. Where do you see this one going, Dan? I'm, to be honest, I'm expecting a Bills performance similar to the Cowboys Thanksgiving game. I can see this game ending 30-14 to the Bills. I just, mm. I don't rate the Texans at all. I, just, I don't rate them. <laughs> 30, <laughs> don't 30 points from that Bills offense, though. Wow. Well, they did it to the Cowboys. This is um, true. This is true. And the Texans just, they, they don't, I haven't seen them play well in a playoff game. Well, and that's because they're, they're always expect... one and done. And uh... yeah, and this defense is going get to get to Watson. So mm-hmm. I think it's more likely they give up possessions like from picks or fumbles to put the Bills in good positions and, you know, the text inside the field rather than the Bills going on 90 yard drives every time they get the ball Mm -hmm. but I can see the Bills really taking advantage of that because their defence is elite Mm -hmm. okay yeah I can I I do believe that the Bills will win this one Um, but in terms of the the margin of the outcome I think we're slightly disagreeing on that one I'm going to say that the Bills are going to come out uh Victor's twenty to fifteen is what I'm gonna say. Nice. Nice. But the Bills and Texans don't play each other. They've only played each other three years, three times in the last like seven years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like this isn't a game we see very you'd expect, like when you think of it, Texans Bills, that must happen quite a lot. It doesn't. So um we haven't seen the Texans go against this Bills defence and I I have a feeling that Watson, for the third year in a row in the playoffs, is going to be running for his life. Yep, entirely possible because that that Bills defense is really, really good, and they have really uh, cracked up uh, their their sack contributions as well. That everyone's really starting to get to the quarterback, and um, as we know, that Houston offensive line, as as improved as it has been, is still in need of some work. And uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be difficult for them to to hold up against that team. Um, The uh, Houston offense, obviously that it goes through Deshaun Watson, who is excellent, but he has to run around a lot. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, but he's going up against Tredavious White on the outside. And I think that is going to be the the key matchup on that side of the ball. Um, If, um, if uh, uh, Watson and Hopkins can, somehow manage to unlock Tredavious White, then that's going to be a, a, a potential game changer. But 
White is that good that it's going to be very difficult for that to happen, especially with players like Ed Oliver breathing down Deshaun Watson's neck. Breakout game for him, maybe. Could well be. We shall see. Um, that sounds like a good length. Are we, we we move on to talk about the, yeah, the we'll next one. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so the next one, uh, the Saturday eight fifteen p.m. Eastern time game is the Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots, who, as we mentioned previously have uh, missed out on the bye week. So we don't really like the Patriots. Uh, and I don't mean that from just like my pure dislike of them as a team in general and as a concept. But um, we know that the offense hasn't been that great. When they have been half decent, they've been against bad teams. Um, still the number one ranked defense. But again, played against bad teams. Um I, I, I don't know, but I, I almost feel confident in the Titans in this one. Almost. Yeah. Because they, they're, they, are by f- <laughs> <laughs> they are by far the better team this season, uh, despite, the, despite the records being, being different. Especially with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. He's just been absolutely lights out. He's averaging 9.6 yards per attempt. Um, whereas Brady's down at 6.6, which is woeful by his standards. Uh, And they're going to have Derek Henry back for this one as well, which is big because he is, um, like, when when they're ahead, he's absolutely brutal and he can just be the the twist of the knife um, for for any team that has to deal with them. I'm not ready to go against the Patriots. So I'm going to say the Patriots are going to win this one 21-18. 21-18. Okay. Well, I'm going to say the Titans are going to win this one. Let me see now. What are we going to go for? Wait, let's do it different. 20-17. So, what, two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. 20-17. Sorry. 21's not a normal football score. It can't happen. Okay, I say Titans are going to win 28-17. to 17. Nah, make it 28-23. Let's do that. 28-23 sounds good. Are we writing this down anywhere? Nope. You have to remember. (laughs) Although that's a point. After this, we can go back and we can have a look at uh, our predictions for (laughs) division winners and losers because I do have that written down somewhere. Yeah. Well, the one thing that got me was I said that the week five... Seahawks Cardinals game would be one of the top ten, and it ended up being the week fourteen or week fifteen Cardinals Seahawks games that was one of the best games of the season. So okay, so my we'll, logic, we'll flip those. My logic was right; it just took longer for the Cardinals <laughs> to get there. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't take note of those. I don't think, but um, you can go back and listen to that and check it out if you want. But um, I'm not. Um, still, uh, yeah. So I think we we are you're definitely at odds on this one. Then I, I think. Just I'm like, just not ready. It's be, be, I don't because it's in think Foxborough. the Patriots are yeah. going to win. I just I'm not going to go against them. I I know. At home. Yeah, I I'm I'm still thinking that, but I think if if I let myself think that, it's purely from the negative perspective of like, oh, but they always do this anyway. It's just like it's it's futile. Like going going to Foxborough and having to deal with it. It's just not going to happen for whoever goes there. But the Titans have been really good. I want to see more of this Titans team, despite the fact that they're a perennial nine and seven, one and done sort of team. 
this team with Ryan Tannehill is different and um, I want to see more of them. And just for my sanity, I want to see more of them and I want to not have to deal with the Patriots anymore. Yep. We'll put it this way. If the Patriots get through and play the Chiefs, I'm going Chiefs by 45 to 30. <laughs> So okay, cool. I am out on the Patriots in the next round, but I don't <laughs> think I'm ready to be out on the Mons front. Okay, well, we'll deal with that when we get to that. And um, I think uh, we'll, from there we'll move on to the Minnesota Vikings at the New Orleans Saints. Um, so, yeah, Vikings didn't have to do anything this week. Uh, the Saints did exactly what they needed to do. And, um, like, although they've been a little bit patchy in uh, their in their running back room and certainly their wide receivers haven't been all that fantastic apart from Michael Thomas you still have to feel pretty confident about the Saints team surely yeah I, I'm hinging most of this on it's going to be a close game if Cook plays mm. if Cook doesn't play then it's going to be 30-10 yeah the Vikings if are really backed plays, into this 30, playoffs 23 I believe in Kirk like I'm one of probably the only one that really does. I think that this is a good Vikings team. I just think that they've been dealt a blow with Cook too late into the season, and if he's not a hundred percent, it really affects their game plan. And I don't think it'll, they'll overcome it. They might not even overcome the fact that he's not a hundred percent. Yeah. So, the Saints at home. It's going to be very similar to last year, where Goff couldn't hear anything, and it was devastating. Um, I can see that happening to the Vikings in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think um, having to go to the Superdome in Louisiana is just a, a tall order for anyone because, um, like the the way that Drew Brees is in that place, just with with no wind, just allowing to be as uh, incisive as he can possibly be, he just he just tears you apart. And um, like like I say, Alvin Kamara has been getting back in amongst the the scoring recently, getting much better touches. Um, and uh, Taysom Hill's starting to have a bigger role in this offense as well. I think he's had his seventh touchdown on the year. Um, yeah, they just they just look good. Uh, the the Minnesota defense is is still kind of middle of the pack, as is the offense really. Um, it's, it's it's hard to say, but I think because of the home field advantage, and it's because it's Drew Brees and Michael Thomas is on the field, and Dalvin Cook might not be. Uh, I see this one being quite a sizable one to the Saints. Cool. I will say 31-17 to the Saints. Yeah, I think the Saints have scored more points than that. Oh, wow, okay. I think this is a shootout. If Cook's playing, then it's probably 38-35 to the Saints. And if he's not, it's probably about 40 42, 15, 14. I think they'll smash. If they haven't got a running game, then the Saints will run away with it. Okay. So uh, if, if Cook is not playing, it will be the aforementioned scoreline. If he is playing, uh, then make it, was it 31 20? 38. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, I think that they'll both score points with their offences, but. The Vikings, if they have Cook, it's going to be, if we can get a touchdown, we're going to run the ball 18 times and try and stop Breeze from having it. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's it. Just, they just want to keep the ball out of his hands. But um, I don't know. That, that, that Saints defense has been not too bad this year either. Um, and I, I'd, I'd expect them to 
really cause Kirk Cousins and that team a, a bit of a problem, especially if they don't have Dalvin Cook uh, or Alexander Madison. Um, so yeah, I think uh, we should move on to our, our final game of the wildcard weekend. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Seattle Seahawks. So again, it's one of those weird ones. The Eagles, for the most part of the season, have been so inconsistent. They're they're nasty looking. Uh, nine and seven hosting an eleven and five team in the Seahawks. Um, but like home field advantage can count for an awful lot in the playoffs. And the the Eagles, like we said before, are maybe getting a little bit hot at the right time. They're starting to find their personnel. They've discovered likes of Boston Scott and Greg Ward are better than some of the other crap they had back there before. Um, they're not. They're not bad. Yeah, I. I think the Eagles are going to make this tough. I think that you'd probably have the Eagles at minus one. So, just giving the Seahawks a point in this one as the line. So I think it will be incredibly close. And it's going to come down to who can hold on to the ball. I think that um, the, the, the the problem Boston Scott and Miles Sanders are infinitely better than Homer and Lynch, and yeah. that might be a massive difference. Yeah, in the, this game. the the fact that the the Seahawks are missing uh, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny is like it just makes them a drastically different team to what they were two three weeks ago. Uh, and, like, and it means that um, Russell Wilson's going to have to stand in the pocket against Fletcher Cox and Malcolm Jenkins. Which is not a good sign. No. Not a good sign at all. Um, and and but the, and also that Eagles defense is sorry sorry that um, Seahawks defense isn't particularly good at the moment either. They've uh, they've been really really up and down and really kind of forcing Russell Wilson to go down the field and make these crazy last minute plays and stuff. But in saying that, of course, like we say about the, uh, the 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 Eagles, they are only just starting to discover what it is that they are now and what they have. And it's been really, really tough on Carson Wentz through um, like through the entire season, really trying to go through this um, just constant change, constantly changing wide receiving core. You've never got a consistent running back back there. Um, like an interesting statistic I saw was that the Eagles this season, their sorry, the current active wide receivers have eighty receptions for eight hundred and forty yards and five scores. Tyler Lockett, on the other hand, who has missed part of this season, has eighty-two receptions. That's two more, one thousand and fifty-seven yards and eight touchdowns. So yeah. I think um, the like another key aspect for the. Eagles on this side is are they going to have Zach Ertz back and is he going to be a hundred percent? In which case, I would probably throw out the statistics and say that there's just a lot in the Eagles' favour now, and um, I'd probably put them touchdown favourites. Yeah, um, Chris Chris Long, who obviously was offered the opportunity to come back and play on this team recently because of the injuries. Um, but couldn't because of his media um, agreement. Mm-hmm. He pretty much he threw up um, some stats. I don't know the exact numbers, but the difference in Wentz's completion rate and yards per attempt when Lane Johnson is his tackle compared to when he isn't is devastating. Yeah. So 
they're the two players that are questionable, mm. Zach Hurts and Lane Johnson. And just from a protection point of view, the difference that both of them are playing. Um, and I think that's kind of what the Eagles want to know. And they probably know already um, what they're going to do. But if you have Arcega Whiteside, and, Ar- and, and Ertz playing, that's your receivers. I think there's going to be very limited switching of talent in this game for mm. the Eagles. I think they're going to be asking their receivers to play every down. And it's up to Wentz to prove that he can do it. And hopefully he does have his offensive line healthy so yeah. that he can at least have an option, an opportunity to do it. That's a valid point on Lane Johnson, who is, um, I would say, probably the most valuable player on that offense. Uh, after Wentz, of course. Um, he, he is just so solid, and having him not in there is is a big, big loss. Um, but it just depends on what you think of this Seattle defense, which, like to me, is not particularly great at all at the moment. Um, but you can have players like Jadavian Clowney who will just pop up every now and again and have a have a big game when it really, really counts, and then it throws them onto the stage and earns them like $80 million contracts. So... I don't know. Maybe that could happen this week. And so, if I was looking at this game and it was the Cowboys, the issue for the Cowboys is actually the positive for the Eagles in that Doug Peterson, compared to Jason Garrett, Doug <laughs> Peterson has proven that in playoff games he knows when to go for it on fourth down. He knows what formations he needs to be in to get the best out of his players. And Game after game, he's just in big game after big game, he's been able to prove that he semi knows what he's doing. Semi. <laughs> Compared to, <laughs> so it's going to be a big coaching battle, this one. I think this is the best game out of the four games this week. This game's. In the, it could go. It could be 40 10 Seattle. It could be 30 15 Eagles. Like, it's just one of those games. It could go either way. But I'm expecting it to be really tight. And it to be decided on home field advantage, a couple of fumbles, mm-hmm. and a couple of fourth down completions. Hmm. To the Eagles. So yeah, okay. one score. One score. What is that scoreline going to be, Darren? Uh, let's go. I think so. There can't be. For the Eagles to win, there can't be that many points. Let's say 20, 21 18. 21 18. Good one. Okay. I'm going to go for. Uh, ooh. 17-16 to Philadelphia in this one. Yeah, a weird, a weird close score. But it's going like, like Russell Wilson's going to have his opportunity to do something. It's just not going to quite be able to pull it out, I don't think. It does seem like the kind of game where DK Metcalf is going to throw a post route to Russell Wilson in the fourth. Like, <laughs> it seems like a trick play game. Could well be. It seems like the kind of game where you'll need to kind of pull it out a bit. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, just, uh, just before we wrap it up, I will run through to my bedroom and see if I can acquire the list of winners and losers that we wrote up from the beginning of the season, and we can see if we can tally them up. Okay. Be right back. Keep them entertained, Darren. Yo, this Shaq Barrett outside linebacker with the Bucks. You listening to the 4th and Favorite podcast with Stored and Dern. Hey, everyone. 
Cecil the Diesel Martin here. You are listening to Stuart and Darren on the Fourth and Forever podcast, one of the very, very best podcasts in the game. Enjoy, everyone. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Fourth and Forever podcast with Darren and Stuart. They're great guys. They do a great job. My name, Floyd Little. I'm a former Denver Bronco. I'm in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame and eight other Halls of Fame. All right, I'm back. And uh, terrible news. I think I've thrown it out during the course of my uh, my changing my flat up. So um, we may never know. Uh, but should we, should we just like go back and have a look, quick look at the standings and see if we can remember what it was? Because I can no, remember most of is that not good enough? That's, no, it's not going to work. <sighs> uh, didn't we not write it in a actual document? No. Well, was it on a bit of paper? I, I wrote it on a piece of paper. <laughs> and like it, it was, it's, it was literally there through the entire regular season, but was only recently thrown out during a clear out of uh, post Christmassy stuff. So yeah. What, well, what I, I got the Cowboys. I know I got the Cowboys wrong. I got the Rams wrong, and I probably got. I think you got. I probably said the Browns, <laughs> just because. No, I, I think know. I think you said Ravens. Actually, I think you said that the Ravens are going to win this division. So, I think you did all right there. Um, I think I had Houston to win this South without luck, and you had. Jacksonville to win the South of that look? So, Maybe. Uh, yeah, so... I think not go very well. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll see if I can find it. It must be somewhere. Otherwise, uh, you can go back and listen to the uh, the first podcast we did for that and figure it out. Okay, so I guess, um, yeah, that's it. Uh, Wildcard Weekend is uh, on, like, a bit more than the horizon. Now it's, uh, I think it's uh, just about in the actual day itself in the US. So, um, yeah. You should probably make a note to people to to jump ahead to and the hour six mark and listen to that first. I don't <laughs> care. You, you have about eight hours to listen to this <laughs> before the game start. Yeah, we're just about there, though. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add to this one there, Dan? No. Sweet. No, I am, I'm good. All right, man. In that case, uh, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow for some... Uh, some wild card weekend action, starting with the Buffalo Bills at the Houston Texans and followed by the New England Patriots hosting the Tennessee Titans. Then on Monday, it's the Minnesota Vikings going all the way down to Louisiana and playing the Saints. And then you have the Seattle Seahawks rounding things off at the Philadelphia Eagles and the Sunday afternoon game. So, uh, thanks very much for joining us through this regular season, guys. It has been tiring, but incredibly fun. And uh, we look to the incredible like scenarios that could potentially befall us here in the playoffs, where really anything can happen. It's all to play for, and literally any team can win it, except for maybe, I don't know, the, the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Go, go. All right, then. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We'll catch you later. Enjoy the games. Goodbye. Bye. Yeah.